Good morning. Welcome to all those joining us for Likuti Halachas, Yoradea, Hilchas Giluach, Halacha Aleph, from the beginning. We start a new topic. We dedicate the learning today, Le'ilu Nishmas, Moiri Varebi Horav Rebel Yochayim, Reb Kleinemis Kalman, his Rebel Yochayim Rosen, who was one of the major elders of Breslov in the previous generation. He was born in Poland and orphaned. His father passed away when he was a young child, and yet he flourished in, in, in learning Torah to such an extent <coughs> that I believe when he was bar mitzvah, he wanted to get into one of the best yeshivas in Poland at the time, where generally boys entered there at the age of 17, 18, and he came and wanted to be tested, and they looked at him and they said, you're a child, you still have couple of years before you can come here. And he said, please test me. And they did, and he was accepted immediately. And he grew in Torah and Yerushalayim, and I believe at some point, 17, approximately that age, he discovered Breslov. And he went to Uman, and he remained there. And him and Rabbi Yitzchak Bender were close at that time, in Uman, they were close. They were both students of Rabbi Avram, Rabbi Nachman. And he was, Rabbi Yochayim was a, a, a person who loved to help others, or very, always looking out for others, so that even under the communists, when it was forbidden for people to, to do charity-type work, he would receive packages he had some family in Canada, I believe, in the United States, a little bit of family, and they would send to him sometimes things which he would share and distribute to his friends. At one point, the KGB took him in for interrogation. They took him in and they took in one of the other Breslavers. His name was Rebmatis. Rebmatis was a giant, an incredible Talmud Chacham, giant in Torah. And they interrogated Rebmatis, and they wanted to trick him. So they said to him, you know, you think he's your friend. He's not your friend at all. People send him stuff to give you, and, and he doesn't give it to you. And Rebmatis said, it's not true. He did give me. Not knowing that they were tricking him into testifying against Rebbe Yochaim. And Rebbe Yochaim was there at the time, and he's looking at this, and he can't believe this, that his, his own friend, whom he helped tremendously, is incriminating him. And the interrogator left the room at one point, and Rabbi Yechaim says to Rabbi Matis, you're trying to get me killed? You know. And then immediately Rabbi Matis understood, he figured it out, and he thought for a moment, and he said to Rabbi Yechaim, who knows, maybe this is your ticket to Eretz Yisrael. And sure enough, through a whole incredible series of events, they they. They sent Reb Michal to prison in Moscow, and, at one, and, and there was a decision made that him and his friend Reb Levi Yitzchak were to be hung, or, or I believe hung or to be killed the following day. And Reb Yechaim said that was the, he never had a night like that in his life, an entire night of crying and screaming to Hashem, the, the silent scream, screaming to Hashem, pleading for his children. How are his children going to grow up in communist Russia without a father? 
And sure enough, Hashem made an incredible miracle that at one point during the night, uh, one of the very high-level people in the KGB came in and he asked Rabbi Yechaim, he said to him, you're Breslov, right? You know? And he nodded and he said, I'm going to help you, I'm going to save you. And Rabbi Yechaim looked at him, oh, another, another trick, they're not finished yet with all of their tricks with us. And he said, no, 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 I'm not kidding. He said, you should know my father was so-and-so. He was a Breslover. And even when he saw that I got involved in communism, I became a communist, he never tried to change my ideology. But he, before he passed away, he said to me, I have one request of you, that if ever a Breslover should come into your hands, please do what you can to help him. And he said, this is my opportunity, and I'm going to fulfill the last words of my father with you too. And sure enough, he was able to help them be released. And, and they fled, they left Moscow, they, and they shortly afterwards got on a boat to Eretz Yisrael. They realized that it was definitely not safe for them to remain in the Soviet Union at the time. And sure enough, they found out that shortly after the boat left, People came looking for them. People came looking for them again because this person had gotten them some kind of a pardon, but there were others that weren't, weren't willing to, to be complacent about it. He came to Eretz Yisrael, and in Eretz Yisrael, he was an incredible doer. He was here at the time, I believe in the 1930s, or early 1940s, I believe 1930s, and he saw at that time Breslov was very small. But he understood that it's not going to remain like that, that this isn't communist Russia, that here in Eretz Yisrael, Yiddishkeit will flourish, and, and Hasidus will flourish, and even Breslov will flourish. And he went about, <coughs> at the time, establishing a koilel in Yerushalayim, and, and giving, giving stipends to people, even though at that time it was very, very meager, very small, but it was a beginning. And then at one point he realized that they, we need a shul, we need a shul, we need our own building. And he left Eretz Yisrael for six months and traveled around the United States, Canada, hardly knowing anybody, but trying to raise the monies needed to purchase a parcel of land on which the, the Breslov shul and, and Koilal and Meisharim would eventually be built. He was the one who initiated that project and, and the one who saw it to a level of completion at that time, with the help of my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, and others. He would give shiurim every day in the koilel between Mincha and Marev, and his style of shiurim is he would read a little bit in the Sefer, Likutimaran, Sipurim Isis, and then he would, that would lead into a story which would lead into another story, another story, and it was incredibly inspiring and motivating. The people from the Koyla would sit and listen. And even though Rebbe Yechaim was weak from when he was a child, he had different illnesses, he was physically weak, so he couldn't raise his voice. But you'd see everybody leaning forward, listening carefully, not wanting to miss a word, because the stories were so inspiring and motivating. Stories about about Rishonim, Achroinim, the Baal Shem Tovs and his students, Rabbein Azal and his students, incredible things. 
He passed away a few years after Rav Rosenfeld, which means approximately 40 years ago, and is buried on Harazesim, and we dedicate the learning today also for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviv Achana Basgalia, Yaakov Yehoshua ben Freindel Rechel, Shlom Anissim ben Mazar, Avram David ben Chana, Hindachasa bas Chana, Yehudis bas Chana, Chaya Brocha bas Peril, Gitigenendel bas Sipoira, Rochel bas Chayaleya, Gabriela Sora bas Talia Rivka, David Leib ben Shena, Boruch Mordechai ben Tali, Soraleya bas Chavaliba, Avigail Brocha bas Shira Dvoira, Shira Dvoira bas Miriam, Jonas ben Hilda, Yehuda ben Soramaya, Chaim ben Rachel, Chaim Aryeh ben Brocha, Idis bas Miriam Brindle, Tuvietzvi ben Chayaliza, Eitan Yoel ben Edna, Ami ben Chai ben Yehudis Gila, Elio Yoshua ben Rochel, Besorich Shar Choyle Yisroel, Shimon Eliezer ben Rochel, Rochel Leia bas Malkeida, Chanafega bas Malkeida, Besorich Shar Choyle Yisroel. Rab Nusenzal here begins speaking about the topic of a beard and payas, which in, in, previous, in the previous generations was considered to be something very, very special. <clears throat> that that was, the, that was the way you were able to recognize a Jew, by the beard and payas. We know that the Arizal says by Avraham Avinu, that in those days, during the time of Avram Avinu, thousands of years ago, no one cut the beard. So by having a beard, the person wasn't yet recognizable as being a Jew apart from the non-Jews. By Avram Avinu, was the payas. The fact that he had payas, that's what dis- distinguished him and differentiated him from the non-Jews. And this is why at one point Hashem says to Avram Avinu, Ekev asher shom Avram bekoili that because Avram Avinu listened to me, and the Arizal says the word Ekev is bigematria is 172, which is two times Peah. Peah is 86, which is bigematria Elikim. Ekev is two times that. That this was the thing that Avram Avinu wasn't ashamed, wasn't afraid to appear different from the others, to make it perfectly clear that I'm not part of you. That the Jewish nation stands apart from the other nations. And now, in the next few halachas, Rab Nussensal is going to go into this in depth, explaining what the payas are, what the beard is. We know that we, when we see pictures of a Holocaust sometimes, one of the things that the Nazis, Yamach Shemam, wanted to do to show their deep hate and resentment for the Jews was cutting the beard, cutting the payas. That, that was how they, they, they showed their wrath. And, and again, their, 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 their envy, this was actually a kinah and a sinner for the Jewish people. Rav Nosenzal begins, Halacha Aleph, Isser giluach the fact that a Jew is forbidden to cut off the payas or the beard using a razor, using things that, that cut completely. 
That's according to Halacha. Alpima Shemavur Bamaimar Meshra de Sakina, based on what Rabbeinazal writes in chapter 30 in Likud Yimran. Shahasarois Heimbechinas Chochmotato. There, that's a long chapter in Likud Yimran, which Rabbeinazal said on Shabbos Hanukkah, interestingly. And Rabbeinazal in Orachayim, in the beginning, has a major halacha, Hilchas Hashkoma Saboiker Halacha Dalid explaining Hanukkah, the holiday of Hanukkah, based on this chapter on Likut Imran. It's not coincidence that we're starting this a few days before Hanukkah. Rabbein Azal explains there, Shahasarois heimbechinas chokhmotato, that the hair represents the lower level chokhma, shehu ikara hahasoga, which is really what we are able to understand, what we are able to attain. Rabbein Zal says there in Likut Imran, he begins by saying, Hasoga Selokus Ef Shelahasik. A real deep, high-level understanding of Hashem is something that we cannot achieve Kim Tzimtzumim Rabbim without it being shrunken and shrunken and shrunken, brought down lower and lower and lower to levels that we can relate to. And then Rabbi Nisal goes on to say in paragraph Gimel, And that's what the hair is. The brain the brain is the, the place of chachma, seichel, but the chachma and the seichel of the brain we cannot relate to. It's hidden, it's inside the skull, we can't see it. What we can see of the brain is the hairs that are coming out of the head. They represent the hasoga selokus, the high level understanding of Hashem, which is mislabesh bahaseichel hatachtoin, which is cloaked and contained in lower-level seichel, which is the hairs. The hairs represent like these thin, thin pipes by which we can receive. We know, for example, you have an ocean, you have a reservoir. Can a person drink from a reservoir? No. You have to have pipes going from the reservoir. First, there are large pipes going into a city. Then from those large pipes, there are smaller pipes going into home, going into buildings. And from those pipes, there are still smaller house pipes going into each and every individual apartment. And in the apartment, there are there's smaller pipes that go from the main pipe leading into the apartment to the individual sinks, that type of thing. So, so too, Lahaftal, when it comes to Seichel, Seichel is compared to water, that kind of thing. You need Tzimtzumim upon Tzimtzumim and Tzimtzumim to be able to receive this Seichel in a way that we can relate to it. And Rabbi Nassau says there, based on the Sifrei Kabbalah, that these Tzimtzumim, this Tzimtzum we're referring to here is called Chachma Tato, the lower level Chachma, and is also referred to as Malchus. Just like when we speak about the sun and the moon, the sun represents Chachma, as Rabbi Nassau writes in the first chapter on the Kutumran. But we cannot look directly at the sun. The moon represents Malchus, Chachmatato. The moon we can look at. We can look at and we can benefit. We're not supposed to look at the moon because the moon represents the Shekhinah, 
You're not supposed to stare. You're allowed to glance at it, but not supposed to stare at the moon. But, but in terms of the level of light, a level of light that we can relate to, that's chachmotato, that's which is also referred to as malchus. So Rav Nosenzal says here, the hairs coming out of the head, those are these small pipes, which are called which is what we really can understand and can attain. And is also referred to as Malchus. Look over there in chapter 30 in Likutei Maran. Rabbi Nezal explains there, however, we know that Malchus, Malchus has no light of its own, which means Malchus has no life of its own. And therefore, we have to draw life into the Malchus, into this Chochmatator, because the Mishnah says, <coughs> that leadership, Malchus, buries the one who attains it. We know that the Gemara tells us Dover Amelech was supposed to be born dead. He was supposed to be a nafil, to pass away within the first 30 days of his life. He had to be given a donation, a contribution of life. He was given 70 years from Odom Arishon. That's why Odom Arishon lived 930 years. Hashem said, on the day that you eat from this tree, you're going to die. And Hashem's day is a thousand years. So Adam Rishon could have lived a thousand years. He gave away 70 years of his life to Dover HaMelech. And it's brought that because, Dover, because Adam Rishon's years were defective because of the eight Sadas, it had to be supplemented by the Avois. Avraham, Yaakov, and Yosef had to contribute some of their years to Dover HaMelech also, to make up 70 good years in a sense. But we see from here and in other places in Likut Imran, Rabbi Nezal makes reference to this, that the Malchus, we have, we have to infuse life into the Malchus. Alkein, tzrichin laha'aloiso el oyer haponim hameyer b'shalash regolim. Therefore, Rabbi Nezal explains there, we have to elevate the Malchus and connect it to Kaviochel, the light of Hashem's face, which shines during the three holidays, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. That's when the Torah says, Sholosh Panam Bashana, Yeroa Kalzhurcha, Es Pnei Hashem Alekecha. That three times a year, we're supposed to go to the Beis Mitosh to see the face of Hashem. This Oyer Haponim Kaviochel that shines in the Beis Mitosh on these three holidays. Shehem Bechinas Bino Libo. And we know, Rabbi Nezal explains in that chapter in the Kutman also, that these holidays are the heart of the year. They are the lave of the year. And the heart is Bina, lave maven. And, and Yontif is associated with Bina. Rabbi Nezal brings this in another chapter in the Kutman, that Ele Moyade Hashem, the, the Pesach says, these are Hashem's holidays. The first letters of Eile Moyade Hashem spells the word Imi, my mother. And the mother is associated with Bina. The father is Chachma, the mother is Bina. V'tzorich l'chotcho min ho'arba malchis. Rabbein explains over there in Likut Yaman also 
that because the Malchus is the lowest level on the ladder of holiness, it's the one that's most accessible and vulnerable to Tuma, to the Klippos, to the Sitrachra. And therefore, very often the Sitrachra attaches itself to it and tries to draw power from it. So our mission is to cut the Malchus Dikdusha. When, when the Malchus of the Sitrachra attaches itself to the Malchus of Kedusha, we have to cut, we have to sever that connection to detach the Malchus of Kedusha from the Malchus of the Sitrachra. Min arba Malchios from the four kingdoms of the Sitrachra, Shehem HaSitrachra, which make up the Sitrachra. These four kingdoms are the four exiles that the Jewish nation experienced. Bovel, Edoim, or Roimi, Parasumodai, and Yavon. These are referred to as the Arba Malchios of the Sitrachra. So as not to allow them to draw strength, to draw power from Chachma via the Malchus. Remember, Chachma is shining into the Malchus. Chachma is shining via the Tzimtzumim, via the Malchus, via that, that, those pipes. Shehu Bechinas Dalit. And we know that the Malchus is represented by the letter Dalit, because Dalit means Dalus means poor. And as Lerach Kodesh tells us, the Malchus has no light of its own. It has to receive from Chachma. Rabbi Nazal explains over there in Kudimran what gives us the power to cut, to sever that connection between the Malchus of the Sitrachra and the Malchus of Kedusha, it requires chesed. There's a posseg, v'huchan b'chesed kisoi. Hashem will establish his throne with chesed. So chesed plays an important role in establishing the throne, the Malchus. V'hachesed nizgale al yedei ha-toychocho. And Rabbi Nezal shows there on the Kutimran that one of the ways that a person shows kindness is through rebuke. There's a pasuk, Hashem One who Hashem loves, Hashem rebukes. If you don't care about a person and you see them doing something wrong, who cares? Let them do whatever he wants. If I love someone, then it bothers me when I see them doing something wrong. They're hurting themselves, and I want to try to do what I can to help them. So Toichacha, Rabbi Nezal explains there and in other places that proper Toichacha is a revelation of chesed. Now Rav Nosenzal begins. <clears throat> the peis and the beard, that's the light on the face of a Jew. Hadrasponim, that's referred to as the beauty of the face of a Jew. Because it represents the person's ability to achieve chokhmah. As it says in a Pasuk in Chumash, you will, you will show respect and beauty to the face of a Zokain, an elder. That Pasuk has many interpretations. But the way Rav Nosenzal is interpreting it here, that the Hidur Ponim, the beauty of the face of a religious Jew, is the beard and pace. 
Shehazokon hu hadrasponim. That's the beauty. Oyer haponim. That's the spiritual light on the face of a Jew. Shehu bechinas hachochma, which is associated with chochma. Kamayshikosov, as it says in Kohelis, chochmas odom toyer ponov. The chochma of a person lights up their face. So again, the oyer haponim is the chochma. Ki hazokon because the beard, the Sifrei Kabbalah tells us, is the 13 attributes of kindness and the 13 formulas by which the Torah is interpreted. As Rabbein Azal speaks about this in chapter 2 and 27 in Likud Imran, Shehem Iker Hasogas and, and these 13, the Zohar HaKadosh tells us, the Zohar HaKadosh shows how the different midos of Hashem are associated and correspond to different parts of the body. What the eyes represent, what the ears represent, what the nose represents, and the beard is the place of the 13 attributes of kindness and these 13 formulas by which the Torah is expounded. Shehem Ikra... And this will explain why the beard and peis come in the form of hairs. Because they represent our ability to achieve, to understand chachma. And Rabbi Nezal explains over there in Kutimran that our ability to understand chachma, to understand to, to receive the light is only when it's coming to us in these hairs, in these tzimtzumim, shehu ha-chochmatato, which is referred to as the lower chachma, or the malchus, kimavur sham, as Rabbein Azal explains over there in chapter 30. V'zeh b'chinash lo'yishes re'midoyiz, shem b'chinash hazokon kanal, and this is also, note, these attributes of kindness of Hashem are referred to as midois, shloishesre midois, shloishesre midois shlorachmim, shloishesre midois shahatoiro nidreshes ben. The word midois means measurements. Hainu bechinas midois vitzimtsumim lahasechel hoelyoin. What this is telling us is that these are measurements and constrictions, vessels for this high level knowledge and wisdom. Just like when a person wants to produce anything, anything significant, you don't just pour ingredients, you have to measure the ingredients in order for it to work, in order for the formula to work properly. As Rabbi Nizal explains over there, that's the concept of hairs. The Hebrew word for hair is sa'ar, and the Hebrew word for measurements the Rabbi Nezal says the Bechinas Shiura Da Asfan Doiraisa. The Zohar Kodesh speaks about the measurements, the shape and form of every letter in the Torah. Every letter in the Torah is shaped and formed in a certain way to be to serve as a vessel in which Hashem's light is contained. And by combining a few of these vessels, an Aleph and a Gimel, and a, that forms a word. And by combining a few words, it forms a sentence. V'yalkein osur lahavir ta'ar 
al hazokan vapeus, and therefore it's forbidden to pass a razor over the beard and peus. Kishom ikara hachayim va'arichas yomim, because the spiritual life and the longevity of life of a Jew is represented by the beard. Shehu bechinas zokon. It's referred to. It's called a zokon or a zokain, and an old age is called zokain zikna. Ve'enoi badin sheyunaf hamekatzer al hamarich, and it's not appropriate. It's improper to raise something that shortens life on something that represents long life. The beard represents long life. We know that you can tell the age of a person often by the beard. When the beard is black, generally that represents a younger person. As the beard goes from black to gray to white, it represents aging. That's the aging process. As the Mishnah says regarding the Mizbeach and the Beis Hamikdash, where the Torah tells us that a person, you're not allowed to raise a, 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 a metal instrument in building the Mizbeach, you're not allowed to use a metal instrument. The Pasuk says there, the imizbach avonim tasali, if when you're going to build a Mizbeach out of stones, loisivne eshen gozis, don't, don't build it by chopping stones using metal instruments, ki because if you raise a sword on the Mizbeach, you're going to disgrace the Mizbeach. By doing that, you're going to disgrace it. And Rashi HaKadosh points out, the Mizbeach was created to lengthen the life of a person. Because again, there's a concept of ish becheto yumos. When a person commits a sin, they deserve to die. And the Mizbeach is where the Karbonas were brought to forgive for the sins, to give, to give life to the person. And one of the major uses of metal is to shorten the life of a person. And therefore it's, it's inappropriate that something that shortens life should be raised over something that lengthens life. In addition, the Mizbeach serves as a peace, peacemaker between the Jews and Hashem. Again, when a person commits sins, they're, they're cut off from Hashem. When a person does tshuva, they bring a korban that reconnects them, that makes peace between us and Hashem. Therefore, we're not allowed to raise something that cuts something that destroys on the Mizbeach. And therefore it's forbidden to remove the payas, to remove the beard. Lahashchis means to destroy. Ki adara, but just the opposite. Shom Iker Alias It's in the beard and payas that there's the, the main elevation of this because they are the light, the spiritual light of the face, as as being as being contained 
in these hairs. We'll just continue a little bit more and then we'll take questions. And now, based on what Rabbi Nizal writes there in Likud Imran, that the Malchus, we have to infuse life in the Malchus. And the most, the, the most important time when we do that is on the three holidays, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, which is times when the Or HaPonim of Hashem Kaviochel is shining brightly. Rabbi Nizal says this explains why there are two Peos and a beard, Keneged Shavosh Regolim, corresponding to the three holidays, Shehem Oyer HaPonim. They are a special time when, when Kaviochel, the light of Hashem's face, is shining brightly. What does that mean? What it means is that when, when things are going, taking their natural course, that's called Hester Ponim. That's called that Hashem is hidden. We don't see Hashem Kaviochel. When Hashem makes miracles, when a miracle takes place, that's Hashem showing his face. Hashem is saying, hi guys, I'm here. There's no autopilot, there's no nature. I'm nature, I control nature, and I can do whatever I want. I'm not bound by the laws of nature in any way. And each one of these holidays, we're celebrating the miracles that occurred on those holidays. On Pesach, it's the miracles of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. On Shavuos, it's the miracles that took place at the time of Matan Torah. And on Sukkot, it's the miracles of those seven miracle clouds that followed and protected and, and laundered and tailored the Jews' clothing during the time we were in the desert. Because the two peos, they are the right, the right and the left. The beard is in the middle, between them. And we know that the three holidays, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, correspond to Avram, Yitzchok, Yaakov. Sukkot is Yaakov Avinu. There's a posuk, Vayovoi, Yaakov, Sukkoso. Matan Torah, Shavuot, is Yitzchok Avinu. During the time of Matan Torah, there was the Shofar, the blast of the Shofar, which reminds Hashem of the ram that replaced Yitzchok at the Akedah. And also we're told that the Torah was given Mipi Gvura. The Gemara says, which is Yitzchak, Pachad Yitzchak. And Pesach represents Avram Avinu. We start the Seder by saying, everyone come and join us. Like Avram, the Mid of Avram Avinu, the Chesed, the Hachnos Esorchim. And we know that the three Avois are referred to as right, left, and center. Avraham is Chesed, the right side, Yitzchak is Gvura, the left side, and Yaakov Avinu is Tiferes, which is the combination in the middle of, of Chesed and Gvura. The Iker Oyer Haponim, who has Zokon, the main light of the spiritual light of the face is the beard. The Hu Iker Hasogas HaChochma, and that's how a person really achieves Chochma. And through the two peos, which represent right and left, the right side is always the, the meat of chesed. The left side usually represents gevura, rebuke. Most people look upon rebuke as gevura, judgment. 
Ki ha-chesed hu yemin. Because chesed is always referred to as the right side. Vahatoychacha hu bechinas gvurois, bechinas smoil. And even though rebuke is a form of kindness, but it's kindness coming in a form of harshness. Rebuke involves telling somebody what you're doing is wrong. You're doing something wrong. You're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. That's the left side. And through the chesed and the toichacha, we're zeichet to the beard, the zakon, bechinas oir haponim, to be able to receive this light from Hashem. Ukamayshim as Rabbi Nezal expounds on this over there in chapter 30 in the Kutimran. Any questions? Question, but the Mizbeach was a place where animals were killed. How is it possible to call it a place of life? First of all, the animals were not killed on the Mizbeach. The shechting, the slaughtering down was not on the Mizbeach. It was other places in the Beis HaMikdash. Secondly, this is a very important point that needs to be made. That when we talk about life, real life, we're talking about human lives. And it's, it's always extremely important to recognize that when an animal is being used to help a human being, that's when the animal is really accomplishing its main purpose in life. When an animal is being slaughtered, shechted, in order to, that human beings should be able to eat from that, that's a benefit to the animal. That's not, that's not referred to as killing the animal. That's giving the animal life. That's allowing the animal to fulfill its mission, its purpose in life, and elevating it from the status of animal to the, to the level of human. Morning, Rav Yes. In light of this teaching that we just toe dipping into, it's like it's a huge, huge thing, like everything else in Yiddishkeit. So, first thing that comes up, Rav Rosenfeld Zales, Rav Nos mentioned earlier in the week, you know, he had a trim, trim, tiny little beard, Kimat Pais, that were totally almost invisible, but yet he was internally yet the hugest beard and the biggest Pais. How do we put the fact that there's these external features and then his mission and how that relates to us? The, the answer is, and at one point when I met him, he had no beard at all. He was what we call clean shaven. We're going to talk about this. Rav Nosanzal soon is going to mention what the halacha is and what, what the Kabbalah is on this. Number one, that there's definitely a distinction between what a person is forbidden and permitted to do according to halacha, and then there's the Sifrei Kabbalah, what they tell us about this topic. Number one, we're going to learn about that, and it's important to be able to differentiate. Number two, we just yesterday, I believe, in the previous year, we learned about putting on masks and costumes, dressing up on Purim with a mask and a costume. And we mentioned that this is done for the sake of Shalom, for the sake of out bringing people close, that certain people, in order for them to be brought close to Hashem, it requires the tzaddik masking, masking himself, hiding himself, changing his face, making himself appear as something different from what he really is. That's what a mask is. <clears throat> and and Rabbi Nassau told a story, one of the 12th story in Sipurim Isis, the story of the Baltfila who was the tzaddik who went around 
perfecting the world. He went around all the different countries, all the different groups, <clears throat> in, order, in order to bring them to a tikkun. And, and the, 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 the group that was most difficult to be able to correct and repair was the group that worshipped money, where money was the most important thing in their lives. Rav Rosenfeld, Zechariah lived during a time in the 1940s, and the outreach that he was doing was in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and early, early 70s, when in the United States of America at that time, there was an incredible situation. If a religious Jew wanted to support his family, he had to be prepared to change jobs weekly. I just heard about this yesterday. <clears throat> we, we dedicated the shir yesterday, I believe, to the yard site, the grandfather of one of our close friends from, from Toronto. And she, she told us about her grandfather, that he came to the United States and, and he wanted to be religious and he wanted to support his family. And he knew on a weekly basis that the bosses at that time, the Jewish bosses at that time, told the workers, if you don't come on Saturday, don't come on Monday. That if you're not going to work on Shabbat, and, and there were a small minority of Jews that, that were able to pass that test, that were able to, to know that they'd have to look for a new job every single week during a time, during times, depressed times in the United States at that time, in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, when, when there wasn't such plentiful parnasa for anybody, number one. And in terms of outreach at that time, if a person, here again, what was being told the, the, the irreligious Jewish leadership at that time, the people who, who presented themselves as if they were the leaders, you know, were telling the Jews coming over from the European countries that if you want to survive in the United, that this is a new life, this is a new world. America is a new world. In Poland, in Hungary, those places, you were in a world where you could have your beard and payas, and you could have your Shabbos, and you have your Kashris. Now you're coming to the golden Medina, the golden land of America, the United States, the, world, the land of opportunity. You'll be able to live a much better life than what you had in those ghettos that you were living in, in, in Poland and in those European countries. Here you can have a good life if you follow the rules. And the rules are forget Shabbos, forget Kashras, forget Yitfilin, forget going to Shulma. It's all about work, work, work. You're going to work, you're going to succeed. And their definition of work meant six days a week, Sunday is off. Saturday, Shabbos is a regular workday, Rachman al-Islam, number one. And in terms of dressing, if you want to be part of the civilization here in the United States, forget your long coat, forget your beard and payas, you got to look like a mensch. You got to look like a person. Look how, look how they look here. Everybody shaves here. There's no payas, there's no beards, that kind of stuff. And in terms of women covering their hair also, Get, get rid of this nonsense. Nobody, in, in America, you don't cover your hair. And this is those that, that studied that what, what went on at that time. This was the norm, even in the world of orthodoxy, Rahman al-Islam. So at that time, Rav Rosenfeld was raised in that United States, number one, and when he started doing outreach, he understood that if he had the beard and payas, 
He would be persona non grata. He could not teach the people. He couldn't reach the people he wanted to reach. And therefore, he put on this mask, this costume, where he, uh, 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 even though according to Kabbalah, we're going to see soon, it's extremely, extremely forbidden to touch the beard, to trim the beard in any way. And the payas have to be vi- a, a certain length. He, Rav Rosenfeld, went based on the halacha. He followed halacha. He did not use a razor, chas v'shon, didn't use an, an electric razor, a machine that cuts in the manner that a razor does, but rather used the machines that were kosher al pi halacha. And, and payas also, he understood that he had to hide his payas at the time in order to accomplish the mission that he was on, a special mission. His sons, his own sons, had beards and payas, number one. And his students, he didn't, he didn't tell his students what to do at the time. If a student wanted to grow a beard, it wasn't, certainly wasn't against it in any way. Shortly before he passed away. So now, at a later stage in his life, in the in the seventies, in the late in, in the I'm sorry, even in the late sixties, I believe early seventies, is when he saw that the world, the Jewish world, changed, where they weren't allergic to a beard and payas. These people who previously were allergic to this, this was something that that people didn't want to associate with the the modern American Jew, or in other countries, South Africa, England, wherever it was. And, and at that time, he felt that it was already okay to have a beard, a trim beard at the time. And then when he went, when he found out that he had cancer, and he was told that his, his, the, his life was, was not going to be much longer, two, two days later, he was on a plane to Eretz Yisrael. He left Eretz Yisrael. And from that point on, he did not cut his beard. You know, those that saw him saw that he had a full beard at the time, when, you know, those last months of his life and when he passed away. So explaining what the circumstances were, you know, that, that why, he, why he acted in that way. Thank you very much. Rabbi Nelson Zal continues, Avel kol shar hasarois, whereas the rest of the hair on a person's head, what's not part of the beard and payas, even though they are also extensions of the brain. They're rooted inside the head. They are wires that are extensions of the brain, but they're referred to as They're also excesses of the brain. Even though there's a certain holiness to them, because they are referred to as excesses, they don't serve any particular health purpose. If a person takes a haircut, has longer hair, shorter hair, having longer hair doesn't make the person healthier in any way physically or spiritually. Therefore, yesh bahem yenikala sitrachra. The sitrachra is able to draw from the hair on the head that's not part of the pace and the beard. Because that's where the Sitrachra draws energy from, from Chachmatato, from Malchus, from, from these vessels. Vyalkin, Kishen is Gatlin Harbe, and therefore, when the other hairs grow a lot, 
tzorech lechotcham. We have to cut them. Bebechinas, as Rabbi Nezal says over there in the Kutemran, chotchoy ledalet. We have to cut. That's the term that's used. Cut the connection between the malchus of Kedusha and these other malchios. And it says that when Shmuel Anavi engaged Agag, the king of Amolek, the king of the Sitrachra, it says he cut him, he sliced him into four. He cut the Dalit. In order not to allow the Sitrachra, the forces of Tuma, the Klipois, to draw from this Chochmatato, from these hairs, Shehu Bechinas Dalit, which is represented by the letter Dalit. V'yalkein mitzvah gedoilo legaleach erev horegel. And this is why the Shulchan Aruch tells us that one of the best times for a, a, a religious man to take a haircut is erev yomtev, before, before a holiday, before Pesach Shavuot Sukkot, before Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Kedei lechotcho min ho'arba malchios. In order to cut the malchus of Kedusha, which is represented by these hairs, cut it, sever the connection between it and the four kingdoms of the Sitrachra, so that the malchus of Kedusha will be able to rise up during those three holidays, Shehem Oyer Haponim, which on those three holidays is when this Oyer Haponim shines most brightly. Baruch Hashem. In order to appreciate what we learned just now, the more, the more familiar we are with that chapter on the Kutemran, it's, it's clearer, obviously. It's much clearer and bigger. But Rav Nosenzal gave it to us as best as he could. Halacha Beis. We'll just start the introduction from the Kutemran. This halacha is based on chapter 4 in the second half of the Kutemran which is a Torah that Rabbi Nezal said on Shavuos, another major, major, long production in Likud Imran, which is based on the Pasuk where when Elianovi rebuked Achav, King Achav, who was an idol worshiper, and then Elianovi had to run for his life. And he, had, he was hiding in a cave. And then at one point Hashem said to Elianovi, you need food. I, I'm going to command the ravens to supply food for you. They're going to bring you meat from the kitchens of Yehoshaphat, from the glat kosher kitchens of Yehoshaphat, to provide for you. Belikute Tanina, Simon Dalid, in the second half of Likut Imran, chapter 4, Ayin Shom Hetev. Study that chapter well to really be able to appreciate what Rav Nosson is going to say. Here again, Rabbi Nassau stresses this point because this is one of the basics of Judaism, that Hashem, spirituality, is light. You can't really benefit from light unless you're able to contain it. You need light bulbs. You need light fixtures. You need things that contain the light and modify it in, in a way that we can get true benefit from it. So Rabbi Nezal says there that in order to receive the kindness of Hashem, the kindness of Hashem is flowing at all times. However, what determines whether we're receiving it or not is if we have prepared vessels, pipes, 
into which to receive it. Rabbeinu Zal explains there, Yira is the pipe, the tzimtzum. The word Yira is bigematria gvura. Yira is the tzimtzum into which a person can receive the chesed. And the way that a person improves and generates this Yira is by connecting to Ratzain. Ratzain means desire. Desire, goodwill. There's a posik in Ashrei, Ritzain, Yirei of Yase. Ratzain generates Yira. Ratzain feeds Yira. And Rabbi Nezal explains this over there. And we could around. Rabbi Nezal has an elaborate explanation that when, when the Ratzain, when the will of Hashem is revealed, that generates respect. Yira means fear, Yira means respect. When Hashem's Ratzain is hidden, when things are going along their merry way according to nature, so people aren't afraid of Hashem. They don't see Hashem. When Hashem reveals His Ratzain, how? When a miracle happens. Suddenly we see when Hashem wanted the Jewish people to survive, even though the Greeks were a thousand times more powerful, Hashem flipped things around, that the small, weaker ones were able to defeat the larger, more powerful ones. Anytime there's a miracle, <clears throat> Hashem is revealing his Ratzain. And when the Ratzain is revealed, that imposes Yira. That, ga- that gains the respect and the awe and the fear. The Iker HaRatzain nase alidei hiskashrus l'shoyresh HaRatzain. Rabbi Nezal explains over there on Likut Imran that there's lower-level Ratzayim and there's the source of Ratzayim. <clears throat> the source of Ratzayim is Hashem. And Kaviochel, within Hashem, Ratzayim is the highest level. The Keser, the crown, is referred to as Ratzayim, desire. The, the Nefesh, Rabbi Nezal says in Likut Imran, the Nefesh, the soul, spirituality, is referred to as Ratzayim. The Zohar Kodesh tells us that the highest level of Ratzayim, the Shorosh HaRatzayim, is referred to as the Meitzach HaRatzayim, the forehead of Ratzayim. <coughs> and this term forehead is used in the Torah, both referring to very high levels of Kedusha and the opposite. Rabbi Nezal brings the sources. Umeitzach Isha Zayna. Rabbi Nezal explains over there in that opposite this Meitzach HaRatzayim, which represents the highest, highest place of holiness, <coughs> opposing that, you have the Meitzach HaNochosh, Kaviochel, the forehead of the snake of Tumah, Shehu Heipach HaRatzayim, which is the opposite of the will of Hashem. Rabbi Nassau explains over there in Kutimran that this Meitzach HaNochosh draws its energy, its power, from those elderly people who are not doing what they should be doing. They're not really completing their life. <coughs> They're not finishing their life. They retire. They decide at a certain age... They're 70, or 70. I'm retiring. What, what's retiring? 
I, I, I don't have to push anymore. I don't have to do anything anymore. I can relax. <clears throat> We're referring to people who don't look to add new holiness and new knowledge of Hashem as they're getting older, as they're aging. I and Shom, take a look over there on the Kutimran, where Rabbein Azal expounds on this in the latter part of that chapter. And Rabbein Azal explains over there, what's the solution for this? We know that unfortunately there are thousands of people like that. How do we, how do we deal with that? Rabbein Azal explains, The mitzvah of tzedakah helps counter that, that negative item. Ayin Shom. Rabbein Azal brings psukim to show that tzedakah represents long life, true long life. Tzedakah tatzil mimoves. Tzedakah saves from death. Tzedakah increases life. And these people are people who are short, who are not living. Senior, senior living center, they call it, you know, for, for people who aren't living in, in many cases. People who think that they've reached a certain point and now they don't, now it's just rela- now it's just preparing to die or waiting to die, chas v'shom. Rabbi Nezalveh brings a pasuk, short days, full of anger. We know that there are people who as they get older, they get nastier, angrier, more easy to get angry and nasty, and, and vice versa. Holy aging means mellowing, becoming more kind, more gentle, more giving. Shemipigam hazekenim. As a result of those elders who are not doing the right thing, their days are referred to as short days. They're not filling their days. <clears throat> That's where this metzachanochosh draws from. Shehu bechinas roiges, who is associated with anger, hepecharotzain, the opposite of goodwill, appeasement. Whereas Rabbi Nezal says over there, through the holy elder, the tzaddik emes, the holy zokin, zoichen lerotzain, and through holy aging, we're zoichet to rotzain, to goodwill, to appeasement. Bechinas, as the Pasuk says in Yeshaya Navi, zokin unesuponim, old and, and favorable face, a face that shows pleasantness, kindness, a sweet old man or old lady. Ponim hu bechinas rotzain. And Rabbi Nezal shows over there again, the face is associated with rotzain, goodwill, appeasement. We, we say in our tefillah, penei elai v'choneini, Hashem, please look at me and shine your grace upon me. So ponim is an Indian of chen, an Indian of rotzain dikdusha. This is the introduction from Likud Yamaran, and Rav Nosson is going to expound on this. We'll take this up in the next year. Wishing everyone a wonderful day. We should be zoichet that Hashem should shine His sweet face upon us and show us His, his chesed, His kindness. And when there's rebuke, it should be done in a gentle, sweet way that we could handle it. Be zoichet to the Gula Shleimah, b'mheira b'ameinu, amein v'amein.